Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with giving to God with our heart as we pick up in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 7. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. God reckons the things of man's heart. Now, it is interesting, a lot of people have a real heart to give to God, but they have nothing to give. Inasmuch as it is in their heart to give, God counts that. Some people have a lot to give to God, but they don't give with their hearts. God doesn't count that. God is interested in your heart. What is in your heart to do for God? Now, you may not always be able to accomplish that which is in your heart to do, but God takes the consideration of the fact that it's in your heart to do it for the Lord. Now, within a lot of you, it is within your heart to serve God in some capacity. It's in your heart to be in the ministry. And inasmuch as it is in your heart to serve the Lord, God acknowledges it. That's good. It may be that you will never be actively engaged in a pulpit kind of a ministry. I cannot believe that you'll never be engaged in a ministry. I believe that all of us have a ministry, and some of us have the misfortune of having a pulpit ministry. And I really feel that the rewards for the ministries that are done more or less in a secret or a quiet way are greater than those public kind of ministries where you get so much feedback and all from the actual ministry itself. It is interesting how so many pray that God will give them sort of a pulpit ministry or a public ministry, and I've prayed for years that God would give me some quiet ministry. For years, I prayed that God would help me and call me just to be a Christian businessman. I wanted to prove that you could be gung-ho for Jesus Christ and be involved in business. I've heard people say, oh, it's so hard to be a businessman and be a Christian. I don't believe that. And I've always wanted God to call me to be a businessman so I could prove that you can be a sold-out, gung-ho Christian working in the business world. What is in your heart to do for God? God sees your heart. God knows your heart. And not only that, God accounts what's in your heart to do. And when God finally measures the things that have done, We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the reward for the things that we've done in our body, whether they be good or evil. And all of our works are going to be judged by fire, what manner or sort they are. And if your works for the Lord endure this fiery judgment, you'll receive a reward. But many of the works are as wood, hay, and stubble and will be consumed in that day of judgment. And you come and offer all your works before God and is tested by God's fire. And there went all your works. 
But Lord, where's my reward? You had it. You were doing your works in such an ostensible way that everybody recognized and knew what you were doing. When you pray, don't sound a trumpet before you and all, or don't go out on the street corners and, and don't make a big fanfare. Go in your closet, shut the door. Your father, which sees in secret, will reward you. When you give, don't make a big to-do over the amount you're giving and a big parade over the thing, but just don't even let your right hand know what your left hand does. Give to the Father in secret, and your Father which seeth in secret will reward you. When you fast, don't make a big deal over your fasting and go wrong, around with a long face and a hungry look so that everybody knows you're fasting. But wash and anoint your face, look happy, and fast unto your Father in secret, and your Father which sees in secret will reward you. The works will be tested. What was the motivation? Was I desiring to appear righteous before people? Was I desiring feedback from people? Or was I taking the position that I had to feed my own egoistic needs? If so, those works will all go up in the smoke of the fire by which my works are to be judged, and I will lose the reward for any work that I may have done for vainglory's sake. God is going to judge the things of the heart. What was the motivation? And that is why it is so important that we be motivated by that constraining love of Jesus Christ. As Paul said, for the love of Christ constrains me. For I thus judge, if one died for all, then are all dead. And it's important that I get out the message of life to those who are dead. God, pressure on me. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ. That burning within to do the work of God with that great compassion. I could wish myself accursed from Christ for my brethren's sake according to the flesh, the Jews. So it was in my father's heart, David, to build the house unto the Lord. And the Lord said, inasmuch as it was in your heart, that's good, but you can't do it. It's good that's in your heart to do it. I, I'll account that. But David, you can't do it. But your son, which shall come forth out of your loins, he shall build the house for my name. And so God's promise to David is you can't build the house, but your son that will come out of your loins, he will build the house. And so Solomon is now preaching his sermon, the faithfulness of God's word. And he said, the Lord therefore hath performed his word that he has spoken. For I am risen up in the place of my father David, and I'm set upon the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel, and in it I have put the ark wherein is the covenant of the Lord that he made with the children of Israel. And so the message of Solomon to the people was a message of the faithfulness of God. Now, he then knelt on this little brass altar or platform that he had built 
in the presence of the congregation of Israel, and he spread forth his hands toward heaven, and he said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven or in earth, which keeps your covenant and shows the mercy to your servants that walk before you with all your hearts. No God in all the world that keeps his promises and shows mercy as you do which have kept with thy servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, you have fulfilled, even as we can see today. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which you have promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel, yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let your word be verified, which you have spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on the earth? Behold, the heaven of heavens can't contain you, how much less this house which I have built. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of your servant and to his supplications, O Lord my God, to hearken to the cry of the prayer which your servant prays before thee. That your eyes, now Lord, I know that isn't a place for you to dwell in. I know that it can't hold you. But let your eyes be open upon this house day and night. In other words, just watch it. And on the place where you have said that you would put your name there, to hearken to the prayer which your servant prays towards this place. So Lord, this isn't a place for you to dwell. Heavens can't contain you, but this is a place where men can come and meet you. So Lord, Watch this place and keep your ear open to the prayers that come forth to you from this place. Hearken to the supplications of thy servant and of the people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. And hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven, and when you hear, forgive. So, Lord, not a place for you to live. You dwell in heaven. But when we offer our prayers here, hear the prayers, hearken to the prayers of your servants and hear from your dwelling place in heaven. And when you hear, O oh God, forgive. And now he foresees situations that may arise. The broken covenants of a man sins against his neighbor and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear and the oath come before thine altar in this house. Then hear from heaven. And do and judge your servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his ways upon his own head, and by justifying the righteous. Let there be, Lord, righteous judgment proceeding. If thy people Israel be put to the worst before their enemies because they have sinned against thee. And he now foresees these things that would transpire to the nation for sinning against God. And the first uh, that they see, that he sees is that they would be put to the worst before their enemies. But if they shall return and confess your name and pray and make supplication in this house, then hear thou from heaven, forgive thy people Israel, bring them again into the land which you gave to their fathers. Now when heaven is shut up and there's no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy name, then hear from heaven. If there be a dearth in the land, if there be a pestilence, if there be a blasting or mildew or locusts or caterpillars, or if their enemies besiege their cities or whatsoever sore or sickness there may be, whatever plague might go through, then what prayer or what supplication soever shall be made of any man 
or of all thy people of Israel, when every one shall know his own sorrow and his own grief and shall spread forth his hands in this house, then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive and render to every man according to all his ways whose heart thou knowest, for thou only knowest the hearts of the children of men. How many times we think we know what's in the heart of the children, but we really don't. We are so guilty of misjudging people's motives. Some people are, are very gifted and talented in discerning the motives of others, they think. And they oftentimes read wrong motivation into act into a person's actions. And, and they, they are always looking for some uh, ulterior kind of motive. I had a lady in one of the churches I pastored, if you would say, good morning, how are you today? She'd say, now just what did you mean, good morning? <laughs> you know, and what are you really trying to say? And, you know, always looking for some kind of an ulterior motive or a hidden message or something, thinking that you're trying to talk in double entendres or something, using innuendos and all. And uh, I've, I've never been sophisticated enough to use double entendres. So uh, it's, it's one of those things that only God really knows the heart and what's in the heart of the children of men. If the strangers come in and they come into this place and they stretch out their arms and pray, then hear from heaven. If your people go out to war against their enemies and they shall pray towards this city, then hear from heaven and answer their supplications, maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, and then he said, for there is no man which sinneth not. The Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And, and Solomon, a wise man, said, for there is no man that sinneth not. And you be angry with them and deliver them before their enemies, and they are carried away as hostages into a land that is far off or near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land, whether they are carried captive, and they turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done wrong, we have dealt wickedly, and they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, whether they have been carried captives, and they pray towards this land that you gave to their fathers, and towards this city which you have chosen, and toward the house which I have built from thy name, Hear thou from heaven, even thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplications, and maintain their cause and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, in this being carried away captive and turning towards Jerusalem and praying, who does this remind you of? Daniel. You remember when he was in captivity in Babylon that he prayed three times daily. He'd open the windows towards Jerusalem and pray. And even the prayer of Daniel was what? The confession of sin. And it's following really the pattern that he, he was praying according to the pattern that Solomon had given here. If they confess their sins, 
and say, we have done amiss, we've dealt wickedly. And you read the prayer of Daniel in captivity and you know that he was familiar with this prayer of Solomon because he was doing exactly what Solomon had foreseen them doing in the future when carried into captivity. And so Daniel followed the pattern in his prayer. Now, my God, I beseech thee, let thine eyes be open, thy ears be attent to the prayer that is made in this place. Now, therefore, arise, O Lord God, unto thy resting place, thou in the ark of thy strength, and let the priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice with goodness. What a beautiful sight. The priest clothed with salvation and the saints of God rejoicing in the goodness of God. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. And when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. It's a reminder of the dedication of the tabernacle in the wilderness where the fire of God came down and kindled the coals upon the altar and consumed the sacrifices and the glory of God filled the tabernacle in the wilderness. And now the same thing happens as God's glory fills the temple and the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And all of the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house. And they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement. And they worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy endureth forever. And then the people for seven days offered sacrifices unto the Lord. They sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So all of the people in the kingdom dedicated the house. What a barbecue they had. And the priests waited on their offices, and the Levites also with the instruments of music to the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord, because his mercy endures forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded the trumpets before them, and all of Israel stood. And moreover, Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of peace offerings because of the brass offer altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meal offerings and the fat. And so they just made a place out to do it in the, in the yard there. Also the same time Solomon kept the feast for seven days and all the congregation. And the eighth day they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar for seven days and the feast seven days. And on the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their tents, glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. So uh, that should be the way people leave the fellowship, glad and merry in heart for the goodness of God. And Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came to Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and to his own house. He prosperously affected. Now the Lord appeared after the whole celebration and the thing had died down. The Lord then appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice. 
And if I shut up heaven, that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send a pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This promise of God is an answer to Solomon's prayer. As Solomon foresaw the calamities that might befall the nation in their sinning against God, and if they turn and repent and pray, then hear thou from thy dwelling place in heaven. God is now answering the prayer of Solomon, saying, if these things come, and if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Second Chronicles on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Second Chronicles 6-7 through when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and bless you and keep you in His love and grace. May the Lord watch over you, and may you be filled with His Spirit and walk in the strength and in the power of the Spirit of God as He anoints you day by day. May you be enabled by Him, and may you enter into that fullness that He has for you, walking with the Lord, loving the Lord, listening to the Lord, sensitive to God and to the things of the Spirit. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today is pleased to present a timely book entitled Philippians, a Bible study for women by Kay Smith, wife of Pastor Chuck. In times of hardship and doubt, are you filled with joy? If this less-than-perfect world has robbed you of joy and filled you instead with fear and worry, you must learn the secrets found in the book of Philippians. Join Kay as she discovers the Apostle Paul's top secrets to a life filled with joy, available to every Christian woman today.
Sometimes in the deepest trials, God will so minister to us, or the Holy Spirit will so minister to us, that even in the deepest trials, we can have joy. And that's what we're trying to impress on the people's heart. We have joy just because we have Jesus. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673. And godliness with contentment is great gain.